Welcome to Set on Sunday, a podcast by Kellyville Anglican where we talk about what was said on Sunday or even what we didn't have time to say on Sunday. We are passionate about being deep in the Word of God and doing life together in community. So thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about Jesus together. Here's today's episode. Well, welcome back to Set on Sunday. We've had a bit of a break over the school holidays, but we're back with a bumper episode. I'm your host, Beck, and today with me I have Dave. Hi, Dave. G'day, Beck. How you going? I'm good, thank you. And Nathan, you're back I'm to back. the podcast. I got benched, benched for a silly code word, and um, I vowed never to do it again, and, and I've been allowed back <laughs> on the team, which is nice. Oh, well, welcome back, man. Thank you. Thank it's you. good it's to good have you <laughs> Um, all right. So today we're actually covering three weeks worth of questions mm-hmm. and sermons. Um, and so the way that we'll tackle it today is we will um, take each sermon and its questions um, chronologically. So Nathan, yes, you preached on the 3rd of July. I did. Do you remember? Yes. Yep. That was... Um it was good. It was oh. good, to, good to do it. Sorry. It was good to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Crowd's cracking server. That's, that's not what I meant to say. Yeah, yes, ja- James is here too with his soundboard <laughs> <laughs> and no microphone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, does, uh, did God really say when he uh, closes the door, he opens a window? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a really interesting one to do. And I think a lot of people would answer yes to that question. And, and I think and with really good intentions to be pastoral, like, you know, God's, you know, closing opportunities, taking something away, but you know, he, he's, he's not just taking something away from you. He's going to, he's going to give you something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's pastoral intentions behind it. I think there's certainly biblical, uh, examples where that does kind of happen. Um, but yet ultimately God is always, he's always working for good. He's always drawing people to himself, but that isn't necessarily, uh, talking about worldly opportunities that open up when one, one door closes. So, uh, sometimes he does open windows and, and other times he doesn't. Mm, okay. Well, we've got some questions about doors and windows. Mm. Um, so the first question is if God doesn't close a door without opening a window, um, a harmful way to think. So if we think that way, is it harmful? Because instead of looking to live for Christ, it makes us look for an opportunity for worldly success. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question. And I, I almost toyed with the idea of getting into prosperity gospel mm. um, theology there because it's kind of toying with it where God's never actually going to actively take away something in this world from you. Or if he does, he's going to give you something of equal or better quality. Um, and yeah, I think that's as Christians, we, we have an eternal perspective and so God is working for good and all things are going to work out well and we are going to have uh, health and we're going, to, we're going to be eternally happy and yet yeah, the timing is, the thing, the, uh, the thing that the prosperity gospel gets the timing wrong, you know, that, mm-hmm. all that awesome great stuff that we're looking forward to, that, that's heaven and it's, and it's not now. Um, and so, yeah, it can be a harmful way uh, of thinking because, yeah, you can question, you know, is it, is God taking something away because my faith is bad? Is there mm. something wrong with me? Have I have I done something wrong, or or can I, or or, or in other ways, is God good? You know, what God do I believe in? If He's just taken something away and hasn't replaced it with anything, and so, um, yeah, that that thinking can be can be dangerous, and we've seen with the prosperity gospel it can damage people. It's like, oh, your life isn't as good as it could be because because of you, um, which is really harmful way to think. Mm, definitely, that actually. Um, starts to answer the next question that we have, which is how would you respond to someone who justifies the prosperity gospel with the for every door closed, a window opens? 
Yeah. Um, I think one is the scripture and, mm-hmm. and it's just, that's not what God promises. He does. He does promise again. It's that timing issue. He does promise to make everything right. Sickness will be done away with pain. will be done away with grief. will be done away with, but that's for heaven. And as for now, we know it's in Acts where it says, you know, through many trials and tribulations will enter the kingdom. And so it's not a smooth road. It's Jesus that, um, says there's the narrow, uh, the narrow way and uh, the more difficult way. That's the Christian life. And then there's the broad and easy way, which leads to destruction. And so, uh, that's not scriptural. And it's also just not, it's not reality for most people. Mm. Like even people who are, whose life are going well now, or, you know, like your health goes, you, you run into struggles relationally, uh, in all sorts of fears at work, at home. Um, so it doesn't reflect scripture. It doesn't reflect reality. And, and when people are expecting, uh, prosperity kind of gospel things that really it it's exciting and really cool at the start and especially when things are going well in your life but when difficulties come uh prosperity gospel is actually more crippling than helpful um mm. and yeah we've seen that and there's been some documentaries uh on that um I think there's one on netflix you know um what is the gospel what, what i can't remember what it was called but um yeah, we explored sort of the ripple effects of prosperity gospel long term, where people go, if anything's wrong in my life, it's 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 a reflection of me, and and yeah, it just it it hurts people more than it helps people. Mm. And I think um, yeah, it's not in scripture this this phrase. I think it's from the Sound of Music. Yes, when isn't that something that the <laughs> uh, that the I'd, top I'd, nun says. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually sent this to Nathan when he was mm. preparing because. Um, uh, I, I've always thought that God should have closed that door uh, rather than open that window. The movie would be a lot shorter, yeah. <laughs> um, more palatable, yeah. less singing. It's <laughs> um, a controversial view, Beck. Um, that is a controversial view. I love the sound of music and Maria, like if I could mm. sing in a musical, I'd be Maria. Mm. Yeah, no, my family loves it too, mm-hmm. which is why You're on I, your own. I take the role of the villain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the sound of music tour in Austria, actually. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's wow. it's a good movie. Um, did you yeah, see? So it? I did on the bus. Yep, with <laughs> Kirsten and I. Um, <laughs> I think Doe, you know, Doe and Deer, a female deer. Yeah, it's, yeah, mm. it was great. Great to great to do it. Yeah, so yeah, it's just anyway. Prosperity gospel. It's I totally see the appeal and how it lures people in very quickly. But uh, yeah, it's just the long term game in in, this, in in life. It it just it's so harmful. Yeah. It's because it's what we want, like mm. Dave was talking yesterday, not to get ahead of ourselves, but we want a comfortable life. Yeah. Um, and so we want God to be um, opening windows, not closing doors. Um, so I've got some questions about trusting God with closed doors. Mm. Um, what is God's reason for not opening windows? How is God doing good in these instances? Yeah. Um there's lots of there's actually lots of ways that he's working for good. So in my sermon, um, because I was trying to uh, preach to someone who's more exploring Jesus, I was sort of just pitching the um, that God's working for salvation, but mm. for the non for for the Christian as well, he's doing he's working for good in lots of different ways through that. So, um, but he's always so the four examples I gave uh, were Paul uh, with with closed doors and open windows was Paul, you know, he goes to try and preach in Asia and Bithynia gets blocked and ends up in Macedonia, window open, Joseph gets sold into slavery and then ends up second in command uh, in Egypt. So he sort of has a door closed, window opened. But then I also gave an example of Paul having a, just a door closed on him. He's got a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is, but it's hurting him, his ability to be as effective as he wants to be in ministry. 
and he prays to God three times and God says, no, no, you're, you're keeping that thorn of flesh. Uh, and similar with obviously Jesus, uh, you know, he asked God, you know, can you take this cup away from me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, your will be done, but can you take this cup away? And the answer is no. And, and Jesus goes through and he's crucified. Um, and in each of those instances, God is working to, to save people. Um, he's, he's working to draw people to himself, to show his greatness. And so the ultimate, the ultimate priority of God is for people to have eternal life. Mm. More so than having worldly success here and now. His ultimate goal for them is that they have a relationship with him eternally and he's always working towards that. Mm. Um, in terms of for the Christian, I had a couple of people come up to me after the service and really helpfully say, like, uh, my struggles have taught me perseverance and dependence. And so my faith has grown. I'm closer to God. I'm a more resilient and more resilient person because of my struggles. And so... That's how I've seen God work for good in my life through that. And that's, that's picked up in Romans 5, you know, where suffering produces perseverance, which produces hope. Um, and so it was, it was really interesting actually having people after the service sort of look back on their own hard seasons and go, God taught me this, God taught me perseverance, God taught me dependence. I've never prayed more than when I was struggling. So it was really helpful mm. and it sort of made me realize in my sermon, like there's so many in terms of working for good, like I just focused on God drawing people to, to himself for salvation. And yet there's a, there's a myriad of other ways that God's working for good through really hard seasons. Um, and so yeah, for, for the Christians, I think it's, it's teaching you dependence and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just going to add into there that um, sometimes the uh, answer to the question is um, God is God. Mm-hmm. And we might not know his reasons. We can examine the scriptures and see that there are multitude of reasons that God closes doors, uh, but they might not necessarily resonate to what God is doing in your life at that point. Um, it just sort of reminds me of Romans nine. You know, you know, in the, in the quote in there, "I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion." Uh, God is God. It, it is His prerogative. Uh, and again, as we wrestle in this series about you know who God is and what His character is. Um, the God that's portrayed to us in the Scriptures is sovereign; mm. He's over all things. Uh, we are not God, mm. uh, and sometimes when we go, "Hey, what's God's reason for doing this?" We don't know, mm. but we know that He's God and He's in control, and we're not going to get all the answers. And sometimes that's a little uncomfortable for us too. Mm, definitely. I guess it depends on your definition of opening a window. I mean, we have established that it's not in the Bible, but if you're going to press the metaphor a little bit, um, God always opens a window. He's opening a window for his purposes, not Mm. necessarily for ours. So when I hear you share that people came up to you and said, God really worked through that trial for my benefit, like, because my faith is stronger and all of those things. In that sense, God did open a window, but it was his window, maybe not the one that we wanted. Um, yeah, so he's doing his work. Um, so what can we do when we find it hard to trust God when he closes doors in our lives? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, and we, I think the scriptures are are really helpful, um, because it's, it's full of people who wrestle with that. And so, you know, if you read the Psalms, there are lots of Psalms that are celebrations of victories, but there are also... I think even more Psalms of people going, God, what's going on? You know, my life is not good. I'm miserable. Um, And often it's the the way they work themselves out of it is, you know, reflecting on, 
you know, the scriptures that they had. And, and so in, for the psalmist, it's often thinking back to the Exodus and, and seeing God work uh, in the past through his through that through the salvation history that they had uh, through the word. And then you've got Job as well, who's sort of his life is completely ruined. And, and you know, he spends 42 chapters arguing with his friends and, and questioning why God even made him and what was the point and, and sort of wishing that he was never born and, and struggling to trust God. And yet... Um, and so it's, it's very, yeah, just want to affirm if you're struggling to trust God, like that's, it's, you know, it's very common in scripture. It's very common. It's, it's, a, it's sometimes really hard when life goes wrong. Uh, and yet I think, um, there's so many people, so God's word is a really helpful place. Um, mm. cause there's so many people who have gone through not the exact same thing that you've gone through, but certain crisis of, of faith and, and struggles. And then your church community, um, you know, whenever I share struggles, whether it be with sin or things that are hard in my life, you know, at a small group, you know, all of a sudden, you know, three or four different people go, oh, I struggle with that. I find that mm-hmm. hard. Um, and so your community, uh, God's word, uh, and just feel, you know, God, I mean, Jesus suffers himself, like our savior suffers and hurts and weeps. And, and so, uh, it's Hebrews that says we have a God who can, who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses, uh, with all of our temptations, uh, with all of our struggles. And so pour your heart out to God, read his word of other saints, you know, being in community. Um, they're not magic bullets. They're going to instantly make you feel better. And yet um, God has worked time and time again to, to bring people through really hard seasons. Mm. God is also faithful. Mm. Like he's, he's trustworthy. Uh, he keeps his promises. Mm. Um, you know, every promise finds its yes and amen in Christ Jesus in 2 Corinthians somewhere. Um, uh, but, you know, resting assured on the, the character of God at that point uh, to know that when you find it hard to trust God, he is trustworthy. Mm. He, and, and it's okay to find it hard. Uh, we are humans, sinful, you know, uh, prone to wander, uh, prone to doubt, you know, the, all those things. Um, uh, and faith is all about what you put your faith in. Mm. Uh, and is it faithful? Can I trust it? Um, and scriptures over and over again say yes. Mm. Yeah, that really resonates with something that I was reflecting on when I was looking at this question. Um, and I'm going to quote someone because she just says it so well. So Jackie Hill Perry Um, has written a book on God's holiness. And I think reflecting on God's holiness can help us to trust him. Um, And what she says is, if God is holy, then he can't sin. If God can't sin, then he can't sin against you. If he can't sin against you, that should make him the most trustworthy being there is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that has really helped me think about like, how do you trust God? Get to know him better because you'll see that he is trustworthy. So, I mean, that kind of answers our next question a little bit, um, but I wonder if you guys had any further comments. So, um, what do you do when you question your faith? Um, look, there's, a, there's a, a couple of things for me. One, um, I always go back to Jesus. Jesus for me feels like the, the piece in the puzzle that if you get right, you get the rest of the picture. Um, and so, I, I go back to him. Uh, if it's a question about his historicity, you know, I'll just sort of go back and remind myself of the truths in there and then remind myself exactly what he's done. Um, but uh, it's also, I mean, just as I was saying, like it, it's human to doubt. Uh, and the, the idea of doubting, I think for a lot of Christians, 
uh, is a scary prospect. You know, am I going to lose my faith, my salvation, so on and so forth? Um, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to have questions. Uh, it's okay to go through seasons where you're like, I just, I don't know, I'm not quite sort of vibing it, feeling it, whatever you sort of want to put it out there as. Um, and uh, because we are fallen, but again, um, just because I'm a fallen creature and sinful and, you know, my mind wanders and so on and so forth, doesn't negate God's faithfulness towards me. And so even though, you know, um, I'm broken, he's not. Uh, even though I'm flawed, he's faithful. Um, and so I, I rest assured on who God is in those moments where I'm questioning my faith um, and uh, and rest assured because of, of, again, of who God is. Yeah. Mm. I think one of the, so God's word is always, yeah, it's always key um, and it's always the most foundational thing. But one of the things that I found most helpful in my life was having having a mentor who's way ahead of me in the Christian life. So he's, um, yeah, anyway, his name's Dennis. He's 47 years older than me. So we started meeting when I was 18 and he was 65. And so I just constantly run to him. And I just remember calling for an emergency meeting with him in the city and just sat down and said, what about the dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do with the dinosaurs? So just, just freaking out. And he just calmed me down and said, it's okay. Mm. And that sort of walked me through that. But yeah, having someone who's, who's wrestled with things ahead of you and, mm -hmm. um, is really helpful because a lot of my struggles are not new. Mm. Um, and so having someone who's been, you know, he's in his seventies now, but he's wrestled with all these things over and over again and, and, and done what Dave said, wrestled with the scriptures, wrestled, wrestled in community. Um, yeah, he's been, yeah, it's been really helpful. And so your doubts and struggles, they're mm. just, your struggles are not unique, which mm. is really comforting because often when we feel like we're struggling with a sin or a doubt, it's like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm so, you know, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm thinking the wrong thing. Like, no, you're just, it's common. Like Dave's, and there's a verse in Dave's uh, Bible reading on Sunday, like we, the temptations we face are common to man. Like mm. we just, you're not, yeah, you're not alone. You've got a common struggle. So, you know, find people, turn to God's word and, and there's, there's answers to be found. Mm. I actually did, um, you know, when you, when Bible college went to, we had to do an issues in theology paper. I did mine on doubt mm -hmm. um, because it's one of those topics that I think we uh, can shy away from in churches uh, and that we, we don't talk about. Um, and I and I think, you know, there's, there's a good theological grounding in terms of understand what's going on for us and then what to do and where to go. Um, anyway. Mm, I, I love this topic. I actually had a fairly serious faith crisis about... Uh, 10 years ago, it was when Eve, my 11 year old, was a little baby. So mm. yeah, it was about 10 years ago now. And I didn't know whether I'd make it to the end of the year, still a Christian. Like they were very serious doubts and everything you guys have said were things I had the opportunity to do, um, particularly like with a mentor, someone who knew more than me to talk to about it. So yeah. And in the end, I really, there were, they were intellectual doubts. I really concentrated on the evidence for the resurrection. So mm. that's, that's a good place to go as well. Um, so uh, another question that we have on this sermon was, what is a good chapter to read to connect with God? Do you guys have a favourite? Mm. I have a favourite. I don't know if it connects me to God. <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> I'm all, sure it does. <laughs> all scripture connects you to God, Beck. Mm. Um, uh, look, I, there's a couple of different places. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I love Romans chapter 6. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, partly because it connects me to two great truths. Uh, one, it reminds me uh, that I'm dead to sin. Uh, it's that sort of culmination piece in Romans where he gets in and goes, hey, you're dead to sin. I'm like, yeah, I am. Praise God for the work that he has done. Uh, but then it sort of kicks on a little bit further and says, you know, um, put to death sin in your life. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay. So one, I've died to sin, but two, I've got, I've got work to do. Um, mm. And so, uh, so yeah, like that connection to the objective work of Christ in my life um, and uh, the rejoicing of salvation and then really the, the ongoing work that needs to happen in terms of what sin looks like in my life. So that's, mm. that's a very rudimentary, but it's where I, I often go to Romans 6 for most things. Mm. Nathan? Yeah, I think um, uh, for me, I love Ephesians 2 um, because that's, it captures my condition so well. So the start of Ephesians 2 is sort of your object of wrath, you disobey God, you're, you're a subject to the ruler of the prince of the air, which is Satan, so all this ugly imagery. And, and when I'm struggling, I go, yeah, that's that's me. Um, and then, you know, verse 4, but God in his mercy, you know, comes in and, and saves you and it's by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. Uh, I love that chapter because, yeah, it captures me like I'm mm. a sinner. I just, and that's, that's my natural state. I'm prone to rejecting God. Uh, following Satan, following my own way, and yet God steps in uh, and and saves me in His mercy. and And I love that verse because it also calls me to good works as well. At uh, in in chapter ten of I mean verse ten of chapter two. Um, so I find that chapter really helpful. And when I'm struggling with sin and and so frustrated and and down on myself, I actually find the next chapter in Romans really helpful because Romans seven. You know, mm. this is the Apostle Paul sort of going. You know, I do what I do not want to do. You know, which are terrible. And then the things I want to do, I don't do. And He's sort of having this like, what is what is wrong with me? Who's gonna save me from this body of flesh? Like, and he sort of just praise be to God. He's gonna, mm-hmm. he's gonna. I'm gonna spend a lifetime struggling with sin and frustrating myself with the inability to do the good things I want to do and the the ability to do the bad things that I don't want to do. Um, and yet, yeah, God's saved me and called me, and he's gonna, and he's gonna draw me to himself. Um, yeah, so I find both those chapters uh, encouraging for different seasons. Mm, good. Yeah, I like John 11 where Jesus is mourning the death of Lazarus and comforting his sisters. Um, Yeah, I just find that just a beautiful picture of the way that God mourns over the state of the world, but also his power over death. So Mm. I like reading um, John 11. Mm. Yeah, John 11's great. Mm. Really good. Okay, so um, let's tease out a little bit more Romans 8.28, particularly the phrase, for the good of those who love him. Um, So we'll, we'll we'll take a couple of questions together. Um, so the question is really, um, is God always working for good um, or is he working for the good of those who love him? So is it just for Christians that he's working for good or is it for unbelievers as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really good question. From Romans 8.28. From yeah. Romans 8.28. Yeah, so I think the verse in Romans 8.28 is pretty clear that it's working for the good of those who, who love him. Um, and yeah, so I had... I said I shared this at ten thirty, I think, during question time, where I had a bit of a meltdown on the Friday of that week. I thought, does this contradict everything I'm trying to draw out of this this <laughs> passage? And um, and so yeah, Romans eight twenty eight says, for the good of those who love Him. I think from Scripture as a whole, you can be pretty confident that God's working for good of all people. Um, and there's a lovely chapter in in Luke fifteen, which is just three different parables of God leaving the things that are already saved, so the lost coin, the lost sheep, uh, the lost son. Um, 
God leaving the ones that, that are saved um, to go and pursue those who are lost. And, and Jesus came and says, I think in Luke 19, 10, and the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so, yes, God is always working for the good of those who love him. And yet in the sense that I'm saying that he wants all people to be saved um, and he's always working to draw people towards himself, I think you can rest pretty confidently on Scripture that God is always drawing people to himself. You know, John three sixteen. you know, he sets any son to die so that whoever would, believe in him, whoever would believe in him would have eternal life and not be condemned. So, um, yeah, it's always tricky because you can lean into your predestination texts, which might hint at the opposite. But I think, um, yeah, you're getting into some pretty weedy territory there. But I think we're pretty confident that God's always trying to draw people to himself. It depends what you define as the good, mm. doesn't it? So what you're saying is the good is salvation. Mm. Um, and, yeah, what do you think, Dave? Well, there's, there, I've got a couple of thoughts running around in my head. It, you know, the, those who love him, part of it, um, we don't know who they are yet. Mm. I mean, we know some of it um, because, you know, um, we've made a, you know, an expression of our faith and, and, and we love Jesus. Um, but there's a whole bunch of people out there who we don't know that they are going to love him yet. Um, and so, yes, God is working for their good uh, towards salvation. Um, and, and here, like if we want to sort of, you know, just dive under the water just a little bit, um, theologically, there's, we, we often talk about the two wills of God, mm. uh, the revealed will and the hidden will. Um, and what has been revealed to us is that God wants to save everybody. Uh, the hidden part of his will is we actually don't know who, who those people are. Mm. Um, uh, and, and so sometimes that's a, you know, that can be a tricky thing to sort of wrestle with if you haven't sort of come across it before. Um, but I actually think it makes really good sense of the scriptures, you know, and, and passages, you know, like 1 Timothy 2 that talk about, you know, God wants all people to be saved um, and, and other aspects. But then seeing God's action in the world uh, and what that looks like. You know, you go back to Acts, you know, there, you know, there are those um, uh, God has here in this city. Um, and, and, you know, it, for me, it's a driver towards mission. Uh, and sharing the news of Jesus mm -hmm. uh, because we don't know who's going to respond. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of God's providence and those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose, mm. uh, we, we can often get focused in on it's just us, right? Like That's just us. Well, hang on, but we don't know who's been called according to his purpose. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. And so it's for working for the good of those who love him because when God's achieving his purposes – the people who love God think that's good. <laughs> mm, absolutely. So that's, yeah, it all, it all works together yeah, in that way. Yeah. There's a good article on Desiring God, which is John mm -hmm. Piper's website. I think it might be called The Two Wills of God. Because, okay. yeah, you do get into that sort of predestination stuff on one hand and yet the outwardly clear historical thing where God is reaching out and trying to save everyone. Um, yeah, so it's quite a helpful article. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I didn't want to get too deep in it on question time on a Sunday because – Again, we were hoping that there were people who were exploring sort of the basic yeah. key things of the faith, whereas this is a very much an internal complex <laughs> debate yeah. of predestination. So, um, but yeah, this podcast and, and your own private reading, I think it's a, it's a good place to, to look into both of those things. Mm. Mm. And we shouldn't be scared of predestination. Like no. I, I know for a lot of people, like it's, oh, it's like, the, you know, the, <laughs> the sort of, you know, elephant in the room you don't want us to talk about. Um, sometimes, you know, don't talk about predestination. We've got to talk about it. Mm. It's in the scriptures. Um and, 
you know, um, uh, the again in the I, I feel like I bring this up most podcasts, but in the prayer book, um, the um, and the the thirty nine articles it talks about predestination as a sweet comfort, mm. and if uh, if those who put those words together can see the sweet comfort that come from predestination, then there's a real desire for us to see the sweet comfort uh, rather than sort of run away from it. Mm. Yeah, and I think as a as a Christian, to consider that I'm predestined um, takes it out of my hands so I don't have to worry, so I have assurance in that. So it, it pastorally it is quite comforting. Um, I understand why people wrestle, but, yeah, I actually mm. find it comforting as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, Archbishop in your future, Dave, if you keep referencing prayer book as often as you can. So. I know, mate. I know. <laughs> I don't, ten, I, ten years here and then Archbishop. I don't think, your plan. I don't think, yeah, I don't think the, the people who make those decisions are, um, are listening. Um, <laughs> and, and seriously, that's one of the toughest jobs ever. Um, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm happy here. Good. We'll see where God has predestined you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> could end up anywhere. All right. Um, okay, well, that wraps up our questions for the first sermon. So now we're moving to the 10th of July. We'll cast our minds back. Um, and the topic for that was let go and let God. Now, James doesn't have a microphone, so I guess we'll just, the three of us, try and remember what James said to do a bit of a recap. Um, so let go and, and let God, is that, something that is a biblical idea oh nate's given me the it's a, it's you mate um thank you thank you nathan um uh yeah so look uh no god does not say let go and let god um and there's a there's a, a history and a theology side to this you know um history wise there was a movement that arose um, it was sort of about sinless perfectionism, so to speak, as in you can be perfect and sinless this side of heaven if you do the right things. And one of the things they all pushed hard against was, um, you know, you let go and let God. That's the way in which you sort of achieve those things. Um, you know, uh, stop trying, start trusting was another sort of mm. one of their little slogans they put out there. Um, and so that was, that was prominent and it was around in Sydney, um, 1930s don't worry not that not, <laughs> yeah, not not even I was alive back then um and uh um but there's elements of it in terms of you know the sort of the uh, a push to sort of go if you just let go let God do his thing um now that's true in terms of our justification God does it you know he's the one that sort of makes us perfect um and so but when it comes to living the Christian life, not being saved, living the Christian life, there's um, uh, there's a synergism. You know, it's us and God working together. We are part of that equation. Uh, and so um, positioning the let go, let God in the right sort of camp was really important. I think James emphasized that really well uh, in his talk. So that was the sort of gist of it. <laughs> James is just excited because I was listening, you know. <laughs> I told James not to prepare and to just let go and let go. But, um, <laughs> he, he Turns wisely. out that was not helpful advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sort of, I mean, with all these quotes that we um, that we wrestled with over the three weeks, I sort of like, again, the intention behind it. Because, again, with our culture, we're so busy and we're so obsessed with doing things and fixing our own problems that there is actually kind of a helpful 
you know, it's, it's not biblical. And, and if you go to that extreme of just letting go and letting God, it's wrong. But there is that, there is that helpful challenge of, Hey, actually just slow down and trust God. Um, because he knows better than you. And so we're so resource rich and often, you know, lots of very capable people in our midst. And so we think we can just fix everything. And so there, there is a helpful challenge in that, in that, um, in that quote. And yet, yeah, it's always, it's, it's pray and depend and do stuff. Um, mm. and I'm reading lots of Old Testament stories where sort of, you know, there's a battle or there's something to prepare for. And the plan is, you know, you go and pray, you go and depend on God and we're going to do this. Like it's, it's, it's always combined. You trust and you, and you go, um, where I think our culture is inclined to just go and do things without trusting. Um, and yet their quote was going too far the other way, mm. where you don't do anything. Um, but yeah, there is a helpful challenge in there for us. Mm. Yeah. So a question that we had about this sermon um, was about anxiety and worrying. I'm trying to remember, James, in your message where you mentioned anxiety. I think it was about in some ways it is appropriate to let go in a sense because we need to be trusting God. Um, and so they're referencing those verses about do not be anxious about anything and um, that kind of thing. And so the question is in terms of not worrying, that's easier said than done. Can you practice, recommend any practices or research to help those who do have anxiety? Um, I will take this one because I am an anxious person. <laughs> I was born anxious um, and I have remained so throughout my whole, my whole life. Um, and some people are just like that. They just have an anxious temperament. Um, and, uh, but I will say a couple, like a number of years ago now, probably five or six years ago, my anxiety really got on top of me. Like it was actually affecting my quality of life. Um, like my fingers were tingling. I couldn't, sometimes my vision was blurry. Like it was getting really on top of me and a lot of stressful things had happened and it just kind of bumped me over. Um, so what I did is I went to my GP, I got a mental health care plan and I started seeing a psychologist. And so I want to say that if you feel like ang your anxiety is something that you just is getting out of control and it's really affecting you, um, go and see a professional. I don't think as Christians, we should shy away from using the resources that are available to us in God's world. Um, my psychologist is a Christian and I still see her to this day. My anxiety is not as bad. Um, but I just find her such a good resource. I'm not willing to let her go because she really helps me, um, with the strategies that she's given me and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Do you guys have anything further to add on anxiety? Uh, I, I think I just want to affirm, uh, what you said there, Beck. Um, uh, if you get, and you know, I, I, we're talking in the lead up about anxiety, stress, the difference between the two, mm -hmm. uh, and the connection between the two as well. Um, but yeah, like I just want to affirm and say, if you're getting to the point where it's affecting you in a way that is beyond your ability to cope with the normal things of life, um, then utilize the good gifts that God has given us, uh, in GPs, uh, and you know, mental health, uh, mental health care plans, uh, and, and the like in there. Um, and so that's, I just think that's a really important thing just to acknowledge mm. up front that, um, that's a good thing and a really helpful thing to do. Mm. Can I ask a follow-up question? Of course. Um, is there, do you feel like there was a spiritual element at all in your anxiety? Um, or, or how do you connect those things in? I think of course there is because, um, there's a book I read as part of one of my college subjects called Tackling Mental Illness Together by a psychologist who's also a Christian, Alan Thomas. 
And he talks about people as being, now this is a big word, so buckle up, um, psychosomatic holes. So what that means is that our mind affects our body and our spirit and vice versa in all those three directions. So feeling anxious did have a spiritual dimension. I don't think I was questioning my faith at the time, but I guess I was struggling with passages like, do not be anxious about anything. I'm wondering, well, am I failing as a Christian at this point? So there is a spiritual dimension um, and the body dimension as well. Like I was saying, like my muscles were tired. I was really struggling physically mm. and my mind was also struggling. So the, the three of them um, do connect. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think sometimes, look, as a pastor, you 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 preach and proclaim and say, yeah, cast all your anxieties to Jesus. You know, you don't have to worry about anything. You know, tomorrow's got enough worries of itself. You know, look at the birds, you know, you sort of quote Jesus. And I think for people who are sitting there are anxious, uh, they go, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and like, I, I'm not someone who suffers with anxiety. Um, although I've, you know, I've had my moments like, mm. like any normal person. Um, and so I think, uh, wrestling with, the physical side of things, um, and the, the sickness that, that comes with it as opposed and alongside the spiritual elements that come with it, because we want to take God's word seriously, mm. uh, in what he says, uh, I think is part of that puzzle of trying to pull those threads together and bring them in and sort of help people understand, which is probably more than what we could do in the time we've got together here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so can I commend a resource to people um, who want to dig a bit deeper in terms of anxiety and maybe some strategies and treatments and all those sorts of things? Um, I don't know whether we'll link to this in the show notes. I'm looking at James. He's smiling, so I don't know. <laughs> it could mean anything. It could mean anything. That, I think that means, <laughs> yeah, no, maybe. <laughs> See if I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the the... The website to go to is mentalhealthinstitute.org.au and that's a Christian website, part of Anglican Deaconess Ministries um, and there's a couple of articles there on anxiety. So, yeah, if this is an issue for you, please go check that out. It, it is really helpful stuff. I read those articles you sent me, mm-hmm. you know, as we're sort of preparing and they, they're really, really helpful. So I I'd, I'd really do want to commend them and say if you want to learn more or you're in that space yourself, um, go have a read. Really helpful. Great link. Yeah, and I think uh, I think building on what you guys said, like based on the sermon, like going like God, like praying and giving anxiety to God, like that's good. That's that's giving it to God. But then, yeah, that's it's, it's not passive. Then you, you, yeah. you feel totally confident and supported to do what you've got to do, seeing who you've got to see and chatting who you've got to chat to. So yeah, it's don't uh, pray, please don't hear it from the pulpit. That just just pray, you'll be fine. You know, yeah. like it's, it's yeah. pray and act. And so in your yeah. case, it might be yeah, pray and then go and see a psychologist or, or whatever you've got to do. So, and, and with Paul, I mean, he's the one. You know, in two Corinthians eleven, he so he's got Philippians four. Did not be anxious about anything, but two Corinthians eleven, after he lists all his sufferings, he goes daily. I face my anxiety for all mm. the churches, and so he's a guy who's he's facing daily anxiety himself. And so I don't think he's gonna you know, slap you over the wrist and say, why are you feeling anxious? Because he, he himself says daily, daily mm. I feel anxious and, and worried. And so he's constantly bringing things to God and struggling through things himself. So, um, yeah, please don't feel like that passage is sort of rebuking you. Naughty, you're anxious. That's naughty. You know, like <laughs> Paul's an, Paul feels anxiety every day himself, we know. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's helpful. Okay, that's sermon two. Check. <laughs> well done, James. <laughs> James got off easy. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my soundboard? (laughs) Um, So 17th of July, um, 
uh, which was just the other day. Um, and Dave shared a message with us that God won't give you more than you can handle, or will he? Um, tell us about that, Dave. Uh, look, very, very simply and um, very succinctly, uh, God will give you more than you can handle. That mm-hmm. was my sort of premise. And he'll do that in order that you trust him and not in yourself. Mm. That's the very simple message. Okay. And you talked about God giving us enough grace. Yeah. So I said at the end, we've got to stop saying God won't give you more than you can handle because I actually think it's a dangerous thing for us to say in terms of uh, how we examine our own faith. Uh, And we should start saying God will give you the grace needed for every situation that you face. Mm -hmm. And so the first question we have is, can you share some more scriptural quotes about God giving us enough grace? I can, but I want to preface it first mm-hmm. by saying um, uh, God's, uh, God will give you enough grace for every situation you face is my summation, so it's my own personal summation, uh, of where I think the scriptures sit mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what's God saying to us. Um, and so sometimes we do need to be careful, and I'm not having to go at this question, uh, if it's your question, it's a good one. And I'm going to share some, some scripture stuff in a second. But we've got to be careful of proof texting. Yes. Uh, we've got to be careful to not go, let's just find this verse that's going to back up what I think, um, uh, which is, you know, the, the practice of proof texting. But having said that, um, I would go to 2 Corinthians 12, um, where Paul does talk about the thorn in his flesh, which we don't know what that is. Uh, and so there's no point overly speculating uh, in terms of what it was. Uh, but verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, uh, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so, you know, Paul's response to this ongoing suffering in his life, which, you know, we would say he's more than you know he can possibly handle because he's asked God to take it away numerous times and God hasn't. And Paul's response is, you know, God's grace is sufficient for me, which essentially is saying, you know, God and who He is and what He's done, that's that's sufficient. That's okay. Um, and it's going to make me weaker. It's not going to make me the powerful, you know, amazing person that you know perhaps I want to be or think I should be. Uh, and that's, that's okay because his, uh, his power is displayed in my weakness. Um, so yeah, that's the place I go in terms of, you know, God will give you enough grace. Um, there may be others. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, um, every, pretty much every Old Testament servant that God calls, say Moses, go to Egypt, not too hard. No, you'll be fine. No, too hard. You know, and so they and God says, "I'll be with you. It'll, it'll it'll be okay. You go." And he calls Jeremiah. Jeremiah goes, "Nah, too hard. Too hard. I'm too young. Can't can't possibly make it work." And and so God doesn't say, "No, you're awesome. You can handle this." And he goes, "No, I'll be with you. You know, it's mm-hmm. gonna be hard." But and um, and I think it might be one Kings eighteen where Elijah's struggling. Jezebel's coming after him, and um, he says, "Lord, this is too much for me." And I think God God comes down. And he says, "Yeah, it is. But again, mm-hmm. I'll be with you." You know, so it's, yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely is too much for Elijah. And it's, and, and God doesn't reaffirm him by going, Moses, you're amazing. You, you can handle this. He doesn't affirm Jeremiah by going, you're in the most amazing young man I've ever met. Don't let your youth stop you. He, he says, yeah, too hard for you, but I'm there and um, I'll get you through. I'll pull you through. Um, and so, yeah, it's, 
over and over again. Pretty much every Old Testament person that God calls sort of goes, uh, nah, too much, more than I can handle, sorry. And God says, no, nope, you'll be fine you know, mm. because of me, not because of you. Um, yeah, so it's all of Scripture points mm. that way. I love that. Mm. Yeah, there's that consistency through Scripture, um, yeah, through to us as, as God's people mm. in the present day. Yeah, really helpful. Okay, the next question we have is a question regarding the imagery of the trust God door. So, Dave, you were sharing about how um, there's always a path to be faithful to God and obey God, and that was what that um, one uh, Corinthians ten thirteen passage was about. So, regarding the imagery of the trust God door, how does that sit with Christians that are struggling with gender identity or same-sex attraction? Is this an area where the world is saying many things and God is saying, trust me, or is there more to it? Yeah, thanks, Beck, And thanks for this question. Um, really helpful for us, I think, to, to begin to wrestle with. Um, I think I want to say, in you know, we don't want to form our theology of temptation through my illustration of God locking you in a room, you know, with various doors to open. It's, it's a bit movie-like, uh, almost cartoon-like. Uh, in terms of sort of um, how uh, how I portrayed things, uh, which was deliberate in order to sort of you know understand, let's sort of uh, uh, unpack this. Um, but when it comes to these things of uh, sex and gender, um, uh, in terms of same sex attraction, just to sort of wrestle with that one, uh, look for me, God's uh, design uh, for sex is in marriage between a man and a woman, uh, and. Anything outside of that, we need to sit in uh, chaste singleness, you know, not engaging in sexual immorality. Whether you are someone who struggles with same-sex attraction or heterosexual attraction, that chaste faithfulness is how God is honoured in your life. Um, and so, you know, is this an area where God, you know, the world's saying many things, God's saying trust me. Well, yes, God is saying trust me. Uh, he does put flesh on the bones of what trusting him looks like. Um, now, fully aware that uh, in the world around us today, just on that one, not even touching the gender one just yet, uh, that is a message that is um, not popular, uncomfortable, uh, even for some circles, in some Christian circles. Uh, you know, what I've just said would be um, contested uh, in, in lots of different ways. Uh, so, but as it, that's for me, that's sort of where I sit, um, that, that position that sex is between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Uh, and I feel the scriptures are quite clear on it. But again, I just want to acknowledge, I know that not everyone agrees with that particular position. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just want to affirm the question as well, because I think it's really important that, um, we talk about these issues of sex and gender in the church and that mm. we do it with so much gentleness and empathy because these are not just issues um, to discuss but people to be loved. Um, and so if you're struggling with your gender identity, if you're wondering if you're gay or um, bisexual or all of those things, um, don't keep it to yourself. Um, please share it in a trusted Christian community with a Christian friend, with a Christian leader if you're not sure who to talk to about it. 
like find me I will I will search the scriptures with you I will walk with you I don't want anyone to walk alone on this issue because it's really hard um, particularly in, in the way in our cultural moment to trust God because um, there's just so many different opinions swirling around so let's go to the scriptures together as God's people and work out how we can trust him mm. um, and and on that note it is hard to to read the entire Bible and form a theology of gender identity and sexuality, yep. um, particularly when it comes to homosexuality. It's really only mentioned six times, not to say that God says nothing, um, but he says he does say things, but it's hard to figure it out. So find a really good resource to help. Um, and I one that I will recommend um, is an author called Preston Sprinkle. Um, he's written two books on homosexuality, people to be loved, and he has a youth version as well, which might be a bit more accessible um, for teenagers, which is called Living in a Grey World. And he's written a, um, a lengthy book as well on Im, um, called Embodied, which is about transgender issues. Um, and he has lots and lots of friends in the LGBT community. So he speaks to this stuff with real love, but he also really has a really honest look at what the Bible says. Um, so I have found that very helpful myself as I'm wrestling through these issues, as I want to seek to love people in the LGBT community and people in our churches who struggle with these issues. And I think too that um, uh, often our youth are the cultural... Uh, springs that hit the speed bump first. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we need to help and equip them uh, as they wrestle with these things because uh, it, it probably feels more heightened for them uh, in terms of the things that are going on in their lives, in their schools, in the playground, the conversations they're having, than it, than it potentially is for me, you know, 45. You know, it, it's a different generation. And so if you're a mum or a dad listening... Uh, we need to help and encourage and talk about these things with our youth. Um, and they need to be discipled um, into mm. sort of that and, and help to understand what do the scriptures say on it? How do we wrestle with it together? Uh, they're really important conversations to have um, in the same way that, you know, us as a church, we need to open the door um, to, uh, to have these conversations uh, together in, in a helpful way. And, and I love your, uh, your, impetus and sort of idea there to let's search the scriptures together. Um, and I think that's just really important as we wrestle with these difficult topics um, and, uh, and and ones that can pull us in different directions is to sort of let's open the scriptures. Let's not just shut them and sort of have the conversation and see where it goes. Let's see what God has to say on it. And, and I just think that's a really helpful first sort of principle for mm. us to go to. Mm. Yeah. If I could just chuck a couple of podcasts out there. So John Dixon's done an episode, uh, it's about 90 minutes long. Uh, so on his Undeceptions uh, podcast on trans and, and one of the one of the thing, really refreshing things he does is he spends about half half the podcast you know, interviewing someone who has transitioned. I think her name is Dana uh, and just hearing her story and, and I think partly it's, yeah, we we can be so quick to jump to truth and, and building people over the head with it where it's, you know, he, one thing I really like is he just sat and listened and heard and, and asked questions. And, and that's a really good way of, of, of chatting with people who are struggling with this stuff. It's not, you know, we're so quick to sort of be like Job's friends and just jump in with truth and smash someone over the head and uh, sit and listen, learn, 
um, and, and see what's going on for them. So that's a really helpful one. And then I'm listening to one right now, uh, which is called The Pastor's Heart. Uh, I think it's the second or third most recent episode. Uh, a guy called Rob Smith in the Anglican Diocese done just, I think he just submitted his PhD on uh, identity and uh, gender identity and embodiment. And um, yeah, so thinking about pastoral responses and scripture texts to go to to think through the issue. Um, haven't listened to all of it, but Rob, I know Rob, I've spent, I've been chatted to him quite a few times and he's very pastoral. You know, he's, he's a teddy bear of a man, very sharp, <laughs> strong intellectual, but a uh, very gentle uh, pastoral man. So I, I'm, even though I haven't fully listened to it, I have full confidence that um, Dominic and, and Rob would tackle that issue in a, in a really helpful way. And that, that one's just 30 minutes as well. So mm. a couple of helpful resources there. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. And I think like just drawing a few of the points together, I think if someone comes out to you, um, please be um, loving and say thank you for telling me that and, uh, yeah, and just um, be there for them. Um, like, you know, you're saying don't smash people over the head with truth, but we do want to search the scriptures. So it's balancing that truth and love. We want to be a place where a safe place, as they say, um, for people to share what's happening for them. Okay. So um, let's, uh, let's do one more question. Um, on this on this topic, um, on this sermon. So, Dave, what would you say to someone who feels like they are handling everything well at this moment? Uh, who is this person? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, rejoice in those moments. Um, you know, sometimes look as as a as a preacher, you you know. Uh, God will give you more than you can handle is, is quite the opposite of, you know, the sort of world that we sort of want to live in. And, you know, there's, there is suffering, there's hardship and difficulties and trials and tribulations and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and so if someone's sitting there going, well, actually life's going okay for me at the moment, that's great. That's good. You know, um, I, I think we just want to go, that's, you know, um, praise God for his grace that things are going well. Uh, use those opportunities to serve others um, rather than look inwardly and go, man, I am nailing it. Oh, <laughs> not that, you know, with that sort of arrogance, that that's a little bit straw man, but uh, use those opportunities uh, to serve others uh, or to sort of, you know, get yourself ready for the times when it's not going great, um, which is, they're the times to really wrestle with some of the big questions, you mm. know. Um, and so... Yeah, I'd just say that's that's a good thing. Praise God for it um, rather than sort of look inwardly and go, man, I've got this all sorted out and probably should all look to me um, to, to sort of figure it all out. No, but that's that's not true. Or if you're an anxious person, everything's going well, like looking around over <laughs> your shoulder going, when's the next shoe going to drop? <laughs> like don't, yeah, just enjoy it, I guess. I think you're also, if that's you, then you're actually in a good position to help people who are going through things, who mm -hmm. are going through more than they can handle. Um, if you've got everything under control and there are seasons of that where life is, is smoother than, than, than other than other times. And I do remember reading sort of your time to work out your theology of, of suffering and hardship is when times are going well. And so yeah. when you when you inevitably, because you will, no matter who you are, hit a really rough season, you've already thought about it and um, you're sort of putting your theology to the test rather than having to think through for the first time suffering when you're in a really hard season. And so um, 
we live in a fallen world, a broken world. And so actually, yeah, if, you've got, if you're doing really well, that's fantastic. Rejoice in those seasons uh, and, and use, yeah, help people who are, who are not going as well. And also, um, yeah, now, now is actually the time to prep for the hard seasons and you can put yourself mm. in a, a better position to cope with the hard season um, with, with your thinking through suffering and, and, and the hardships that come uh, now rather than having to do it on the fly when you're going through something really hard. Mm, so true. Uh, well, guys, that wraps up all of our questions from three sermons. Um, thank you for sending in your questions and please uh, keep sending them through. Um, what's happening next Sunday? This Sunday we start a sermon series in 1 Samuel. Mm-hmm. So um, super excited to be jumping into that book. Um, yeah, really interesting one that we've just done, Discover the True King in in Matthew. But we sort of get a we get a, an Old Testament version of it where Israel think, uh, that all their problems are going to be solved by finding a king, finding the perfect leader. Um, and it's ironic in that that is actually true. They do need a perfect leader. Uh, it's sad in that they actually already had a perfect leader in God and they reject him to seek out these imperfect human leaders. So it's, it's um, yeah, so we call the sermon, sermon series Looking for a Leader, which mm-hmm. is, you know, they're sort of right. They do need that perfect leader and yet they already they already have him. Um, and yet God in his kindness is going to send them uh, about a thousand years later, he's going to send the perfect leader. So we're just going to start the book of one Samuel. So we're just going to do the first eight chapters. So mm-hmm. we actually meet, we did judges last year. And so we're actually in some ways we're finished sort of finishing off that era. So we're going to see the final two judges in Eli and Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a good judge and one is a, a not so good judge. Uh, but that tension of who, who leads us, who influences us, who shapes us. Cause even if we, even if, whether we say we like leaders or not, we do let people lead us and shape us, um, whether it's online or in person. So is God is God your leader or uh, are, you, are you looking for, for leadership and guidance in everywhere but God? Because that's, that's, that's Israel's problem. Mm. Oh, it sounds great. Looking forward to it. Um, well, that draws this episode to a close. Thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love you to join us at Kellyville Anglican any Sunday at 8.30, 10.30 or 6.15pm. If you can't visit us in person, you can also join us online. You can find out more information at www.kac.sydney. So come join us and see for yourself what is said on Sunday.